You're listening to the Blue Jay Boys Show with Big Chuck, Sackman, and Senor Diaz. Only on WRSE. How is everybody doing? This is Big Chuck coming at you live with WRC 88.7 FM Blue Jay Radio. And like the intro said, you're listening to the Blue Jay Boys show. I'm here with Senor Diaz and Sackman. We got a great show for you guys today. First, we're going to start off with a Super Bowl preview. Uh, we talked about it a little bit last week when we were doing our food battle. Um, but we're going to go in-depth on the Super Bowl, what's happening, some interviews that were happening before the Super Bowl, all that fun stuff. Uh, after that, we're going to talk a little bit about the draft. We wanted to talk about what the, we think the Bears are going to do with that first overall pick as we get closer to the draft here. Uh, we will do another bracket so that next week we can do another food battle. We have a winner for this food battle. We'll tell you guys that when we're going through the brackets. Yep. Uh, after that, we're going to do uh, go into talking about the Pro Bowl, where from the Pro Bowl we'll transition into the NBA do a little uh, NBA draft with the uh, trade deadline, talk about some of the stuff that's happening with the trade deadline. It's going to be a great show. To start off, like I said, we're going to talk about the Super Bowl. Sackley, you want to start us off? This is this is the best matchup we could ever want. I mean, you got two one seeds, both 14-3. and three. They both, uh, I mean, the, the Philadelphia Eagles have a historic pat, a pass rush going against the Kansas City Chiefs who have the number one pass block win percentage offensive line. They, the Eagles have an all-time rushing offense. They recently broke a record for second-most rushing touchdowns all time. They bring, It was the 1924 Frankfurt Yellow Jackets, <laughs> absolute powerhouse of a team. They were able to break that record. I uh, also saw a funny statistic. If I can pull it up here. Please load. Ah. So the Chiefs and Eagles are both 16-3. They've both scored a combined 546 points this season. They both have six All-Pros, with one of them being a Kelsey brother. They were both the one seed, and they both uh, they both obviously won their conference title. So I think this is just this is going to shape up to be an all-time Super Bowl, in my opinion. If you had to make a guess right now, just off the top of your head, who's winning this game? I see this game going either one of two ways: either the Eagles just win because I feel the Eagles are a more complete team and just like the better overall team. Or Pat, Patrick Mahomes just wills his team to victory. That's basically what he did in the AFC Championship game against the Bengals. That's why I see this game going. If I had to, you know, put my life on the line, pick one, I'd say I'd probably go with the Eagles just because I think Jalen Hurts is going to be fully healthy now after two weeks. They'll be able to run and do whatever. Um, this pass rush is going to, especially with Hassan Riddick going against Devin Wiley, that's a perfect matchup for the Eagles. Jordan Davis is fully healthy now. Defense, I think. You know, two weeks to game plan, I think they'll be able to fix their little frauds that they have in the secondary. I think the Eagles are going to win. Mm-hmm. Josh, why why would you think the Chiefs might win this game? Um, I mean, the Chiefs are, might win this game because, I mean, like uh, like I said with Hurts, he had time off to fully recuperate and everything, but so did Mahomes. Mahomes had a lot of time off, um, and, I mean, you know, taking that time off to, you know, work on his ankle, do what he has to do for rehab, whatever, is going to help them a lot because then we'll see those Mahomes-type plays that we're used to seeing where he's diving midair, throwing sidearm. Um, so we'll see plays like that possibly pop out um, like he did, you know, for every year he plays in the Super Bowl or a conference game. Um, but, I mean, their defense is, like, rolling right now. So their offense a little bit, but they kind of took a step back with Mahomes being hurt a little bit. He did run 
to get them that first down and get them into the field goal position to, you know, win them the game. But you can tell it was pretty bad. You know, he was hobbling and stuff. But, I mean, the defense kept him in that game against the Bengals. And the defense is what's going to keep him in the Super Bowl from, you know, letting the Eagles get a crazy lead on them because Chris Jones, he's insane. Chris Jones is an amazing uh, athlete, you know. And, but then again, Mahomes is an amazing athlete. You can't count him out of anything. And I feel like when both of those um, two combine and do their jobs, I mean, that's a really effective team and a very hard team to beat in a big, on a big stage like this. So I think those two factors, honestly, and Andy Reid's a mastermind. I mean, he's proved it before. Um, and, I mean, he can get it done. You know, they've won a Super Bowl. I mean, I mean, even if Mahomes wins this, uh, yeah, even without a Super Bowl, I think Mahomes is still a Hall of Fame caliber quarterback. And, I mean, they have all of the talent and all of the stuff they need to do to win this game. Mm-hmm. But so do the Eagles, so. Uh, if you had to pick one guy from each team, who do you think is going to be the X factor for each of these teams going into the Super Bowl? I think for the Eagles, it's Jalen Hurts. It's really it's on him to not overthrow. But obviously, his, we can say everything about his shoulder being sore, this and that. Um, but that's who I got for the Eagles, and then for um, the for Kansas, it'd be Chris Jones. You know, he really has to have an, a performance like he did last week in order to keep that run game at bay because that Eagles O-line and run game is very, very dangerous once they start getting, like, the steam going because they're a train. You know, once they start feeling the fire, they're going. They're not going to stop for anyone. So he really has to be on his game and really play how he played last week in order to um, really stop this Eagles O-line and run game. Exactly. Who do you think? Say for the Eagles, it's Sean Riddick. He's the great eraser. Whatever issues you have in your secondary, whatever, anything that goes wrong, he's going to erase that by getting to the quarterback as he has 19 and a half sacks on the season. Especially, this will be a very critical matchup going against the Chiefs' weakest O-lineman, Devin Wiley. And then for the Chiefs, I'm going to go with Isaiah Pacheco. I mean, you're, gonna, you're going against the best pass rush in the NFL, an all-time pass rush, second most sacks ever. With Mahomes, who's going to be on ankle, it's still not 100%. He'll be better than he was in the AFC Championship game, but it's not going to be 100%. So I, you're going to have to run the ball. The only real weakness this defense has showed so far this year is occasionally stopping the run. So this is going to come and with Michael Hardman being out. Juju's banged up. But receivers are very banged up for them. It's going to come down to whether, whether or not they can run the ball. Because Mahomes isn't gonna really going to be able to run the ball. He might be able to extend the plays, but... He's not getting those 20-yard you know, touchdowns that we've seen before with him running the ball in the playoffs. It's going to come down to how, how well they can protect Mahomes and if they can run the ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for the Chiefs, uh, for on offense, I would say Isaiah Pacheco is an extremely important. Uh, for what you were saying, the injuries at the wide receiver position, guys, you don't know if they're going to show up. Like Kadarius Toney came out and said that he's probably going to play. He really wants to play in the Super Bowl, so that's you know encouraging for this Chiefs offense, but the other guys haven't said anything yet. It's kind of been like we don't know yet as fans. So Isaiah Pacheco is just going to be just as important in the pass game as he is in that rush game. It's going to have to be a lot of you know flyouts, throw him in the flat, stuff like that. Uh, but on defense for the Chiefs, I think Willie Gay is going to be really important. Uh, like we were saying, Chris Jones is going to have his hardest test so far. He's not going to have his best game against this Eagles offensive line. So Willie Gay is going to have to be able to fill in, and uh, Bolton, those guys are going to have to be able to fill in in that spot where Chris Jones hasn't been able to fill in to stop that run game. Uh, that's how Philadelphia has you know, 
beaten teams in the playoffs so far is just by running the ball. It hasn't been a lot of passing, not a lot of you know spectacular games from Jalen Hurts because of his injury, and they haven't really needed him to because their defense and their run game has stepped up. So if you can stop the run game, you might have a chance to you know control this entire game. <clears throat> for the Eagles, I would say Miles Sanders is a huge X factor for this team, uh, along with Jason Kelsey. I think I would say those two guys, uh, especially with Chris Jones in the middle. I know I was saying that he's going to have a tough battle. He's still Chris Jones. You know, he's a guy that I think could be a defensive player of the year candidate. He probably should have been. Um, but Jason Kelsey's going to have to play his best game. He hasn't really had to go against a Chris Jones yet. He's had pretty easy job. Miles Sanders is going to have, his, have to have his best game. A lot of people have been talking very highly of him throughout this playoffs because he's been playing so well and a lot during that end of the regular season. But there's times before that, especially at the beginning of the season, where people are like, Miles Sanders is a waste. You know, he's just sitting back there because Jalen Hurts can do everything. Um, but he's been so important to this team since, you know, week 12 or so. Um, and he needs to be just as important in the Super Bowl, and I think a lot of that relies on him. <clears throat> uh, we were talking a little bit about the Chiefs' injuries at the wide receiver position. How much do you think that will affect this game? I mean, if it would be one thing if it was just one guy, but it's like four of their top five receivers are out. I mean, or injured. I mean, we know Michael Harvin's had a bigger role in this offense than he has in previous years. He's out. Darius Tony, who, you know, he's their gadget guy. He's their occasional big play guy. He's not going to be 100%. Juju's not going to be 100%. He's a reliable slot receiver. I believe he's their leading, like, wide receiver. I mean, if they have to put out, you know, their third, fourth-string guys, it's it's going to be a big thing, especially with going against this pass rush where you're going to have less time to get open. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a pretty big deal, especially if one of those guys gets re-injured during the game. Because you saw they struggled against that. Bengals pass rush with, you know, just Trey Hendrickson and Hubbard and Joseph Osai. If they go against, if they struggle to open against these guys, it's going to be with a bum ankle on Mahomes, it's going to be a rough time. Yeah, Hassan Reddick is, he looked really good against some of the best tackles in the NFL. Oh, yeah. He's dominated everyone this year. So it's going to be real tough on Mahomes if they can't block him and not just him, but Fletcher Cox and Jordan Davis. And Javon Hargrave has 11 sacks yeah. at the nose tackle position. That's nuts. Brandon Graham's going to make some plays. He's a veteran. He is why he came back. He's going to make some plays. Josh Sweat occasionally has a big play. It's They got just Robert Quinn, our old friend Robert Quinn. They just have a just a massive amount of pass rushers. It's the most impressive group of pass rushers they've ever seen. Even Linval Joseph and Nakama and Sue still have some in the tank, which I hate Ndamukong Sue. That's the only reason why I kind of want the Chiefs to win. Because <laughs> Ndamukong Sue. I don't want him getting in our Super Bowl ring. I hate that guy. He just hops on the best teams in the league. And that's, that's, that's what he is now. I hate him. And he always plays well enough to where you can be like, well, maybe he did deserve a roster spot, but screw him because it's Ndamukong Sue. I hate him. <laughs> I still hate him. He still does dirty stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Um, sticking with the Chiefs here, uh, if Andy Reid wins the Super Bowl, uh, it'll be his second. Where would you put Andy Reid all time in the coaching list if he wins the Super Bowl? Top five for me. He'd be number two behind Belichick. I mean, he's he's going to be up there and wins. He still has, at least, I'd say, at least another eight years left in him. He He's won everywhere he's gone. He's you know he's only, only been on two teams because he's that good. If he wins this, I mean, he has to be second all the time. He could eventually catch Belichick. He probably won't catch him in rings, but in terms of just greatness, I, he could, especially Belichick. Belichick, ever since Brady left, has just been – 
doing more damage. He had a whole year of Matt Patricia and Joe Judge as OC. He thought that was a good idea. It's really going to open some eyes if the Patriots, you know, miss the playoffs again in 2023. Then who knows? But if he wins this game, he's the legit number two all time for me. Do you still think he could be number two all time for you if they lose this game? It's a little harder, but he could. I mean, I'd still leave him in top five. Yeah. Because he's still, like I said, he's won everywhere he's gone. He's a really good coach. He's not going to pass anyone. No one's going to pass anyone. Sorry. No one's going to pass Belichick in rings at all. Belichick had that secured one. They drafted Tom. You know, like that was simple. But, I mean, it's like, I mean, it's like everyone has their way of coaching, obviously. And Belichick did it his way. And he has seven, whatever, you know. Andy Reid's doing it his way. He did it with the Eagles, and he's doing it with, you know, the Chiefs now. Like, his way is, like, um, it's a master class sometimes, you know? And I think it still solidifies him, maybe not to be number two, but still in that top five of coaching because he still does a really good job at what he does. Yeah, I think almost everybody that's played for him loves Andy Reid. He's never said a bad thing about him. Even LaShawn McCoy, who hates everybody he's ever played for, has yeah. only said nice, th- nice things about Andy Reid. Yep. So, uh, moving over to the other sideline, Nick Sirianni, uh, he's very early in his coaching career, kind of the opposite of Andy Reid, uh, kind of following the same footsteps as Andy Reid, starting his career with the Eagles as a head coach. Where do you see him ending his career all time if he starts his career with a Super Bowl like this? He'd definitely be off to a good start. I mean, in a way, he is from the Andy Reid coaching tree because he was with uh, Frank Wright. Frank Wright came from Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson came from Andy Reid. I mean, if he's very young. He's, what, only 40, 41 years Something old? Something like that, yeah. He's one of the youngest in the league. I mean, it'd be off to a great start. I mean, he from he wins the Super Bowl this year. Anything could happen. He's going to be around long enough for him to potentially get a couple more rings. This team brings back almost everyone next year. And they're going to have a top 10 pick and another first round pick for to recoup whoever else they lose. So I could see this team going back to back. If he does that, which would be the first team since the Cowboys to go back to, oh no, Patriots, sorry, to go back to back, then he'd be up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be one heck of a way to start a career. Yeah, like it would. Um, sticking with Nick Sirianni here, there have been the pre Super Bowl press conferences going on a lot. Nick Sirianni has gotten a lot of stupid questions oh, yeah. during these interviews. Um, wh- where do you think the state of just NFL reporting is right now? And do you think these questions that he's getting and questions we've heard all year from some of these reporters, do you think this is a bad sign for the state of the social media of the NFL? I think they're just – because this is the first time they've had a normal Super Bowl week since 2019. So I just think they're just so giddy to, like, be normal and, like, be in person that they're just asking anything. Plus, like, you know, they have a whole week of questions. So, like, you can only ask the same questions on the time. See, then you just got to do, like, wacky personality ones. And they know Sirianni isn't the best at answering questions. We saw his opening introductory press conference to the Eagles. He looked like a fish in the desert. And, but, yeah, I just think they're just trying to growl it up a little bit. So, because of that, do you think, like, some of these questions, like, one of the questions he got asked was, is this Super Bowl a must-win game for the Eagles? Somebody asked him if the yeah. Super Bowl is a must-win game. Do you think that is just because they wanted to try to get Nick Sirianni to be, like, flustered about it? Or do you really think that's a question somebody wanted to ask? I think it's more of, like, a fluster thing. They wanted to see him react a certain way. And he knows well enough, you know, not to do that. But also, 
he knows well enough that that was a stupid question. <laughs> like, you don't ask someone who's made it that far to that stage, is this a must-win game? You don't you don't ask that. You know it's a must-win game. It's Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. Like, this determines whether you're going to get extended or you're going to get let go, depending on how the season went. You know, like, it doesn't matter. Like, but still, that's such a stupid question. Like, you don't ask, is this a must-win game? Yes. <laughs> that was his response was yes and that and then he moved on like that was just a dumb question and i think w- going back to your question with the whole media thing for the nfl like it's not like these guys don't run out of things to think of to ask there's new things every day All exactly of everybody's coming up with something else some other rumors some other story out of nowhere like they could have asked him who do you think is going to win coach of the year like they could have asked him something he could have said himself whatever he's Selfish, so what? Okay, and, like, he's made it this far, let him be, you know? But, like, you're asking him if making it to the big stage is a must-win. Come on now. That's just, that's foolish. See, like, what I think the problem is is that I, I think that was a real question. I think what Sackley was saying about how people were just giddy to go up there and ask questions, I don't even think it's just giddy. It's, it's nervousness. The reporting industry and that media is starting to get so much younger that it's a lot of younger people, and it's so much more people are just able to be a journalist. If you want to be a journalist, you can be a journalist. And if you get enough followers, you can go to the Super Bowl and ask questions. And I think right now there's just so many people that are doing that. They're just getting allowed to go. Like I saw there's this one guy on TikTok that I follow, and he's not like a journalist major. He just loves to talk about football. He got a press pass to the Super Bowl, like just because he has 10,000 followers on TikTok. Like that's crazy. And invite me there. Exactly. They could, you know, like. And he he asked good questions. He posted some of his videos on TikTok of him asking questions. His name's Theo Ash. If you guys wanted to go oh, talk him? to him, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, but like, not everybody is doing that. I think there's people that are going there and they're asking questions like, "Is this a must-win game? If there was any guy on your team that you wouldn't let date your daughter, who would it be when his daughter is five years old?" Exactly. Like that's an awful question. You can't think about it for five minutes before you go in there. I get it. People are asking a lot of questions, and they may take your questions. Come up with a better question. Think of something in the first place that you don't think anybody would ask. Yeah, nobody's going to ask that, but that's a stupid question. He's not going to want to answer that. He wants to think about football right now. Yeah, He's about to uh, coach the biggest game he's ever coached ever. Yeah, and he most likely doesn't even want to be at that press conference. And and any of those players probably don't want to be there. Some of them maybe, yeah, because it's their first time being in the Super Bowl and whatever. Well, some of them probably are in their heads the whole time are just saying, I'm here just so I don't get fined. What Marshawn did, you know? Like, he probably doesn't even want to be there. He probably wants to be back in his hotel, going over the game plan, refining it, making it perfect. So everything on Sunday is perfect. Like, he doesn't care. I Honestly, in my opinion, coaches who make it that far don't care about those press conferences because they want to make sure everything is in order for them to win everything because this is everything for a coach making it this far to this stage so like that's just what it looked like like the way he answered and the way he like looked at the reporter it just like you're wasting his time with questions like that like give him a good question that he could think about in depth to where he pulls a sean McVay, where he remembers little details here and there about that play at that year or whatever but like don't ask a question like that how you're saying like if you're a young reporter being there like that's a, it's a normal question to ask, but just 
it's not something you would ask. Like you're they're there already. Like why wouldn't it be a must win game? Like just like this is the biggest moment of Nick Sirianni's life, probably like right up there with getting married or having a child or something like that, or having his daughter. For that reporter, this is probably one of the biggest moments in their life to be able to ask a question on that stage in front of all these other professional reporters to one of the best coaches in the NFL history, like right now. And you ask that question. Like, that should be a huge moment for you, too. Why are you not preparing more for it? Why are you not thinking through your question a little bit more? Yep. It doesn't make any sense, and it, you know, like, ruins the integrity of the job. You know, there's a lot of people out there that are asking good questions. Like I said, Theo Ash was asking really good questions. You know, he was really picking the minds of the players and the coaches about with the questions he was asking. Why can't other people do that? Why do they have to ask stupid questions like that and waste everybody's time? Yeah. And the problem is, is that all those publications, they repost it and stuff. When they have real reporters going out there asking real questions, why don't you show that? That's what people care about. Like, it doesn't make any sense that you're wasting everybody's time with. Yeah, and then this this gives like the journalism aspect like a horrible look because you're sending out younger people who aren't prepped or you're telling them in advance and they don't prep and making your journalist, you know, area look bad. Like this is a bad look for some of these people, young, old, whatever. Like people who have been doing it for like 30 plus years, they probably looked at that person right next to them and were like, "Really?" You asked this question when you could have asked something else. Like, it just, it gives them a bad look and a bad rep when that's something that you you don't want to see from a reporter because you know it's the Super Bowl. So it, it, it makes no sense. Zero. Mm-hmm. Got to move on. We're going to go from talking about the best teams in the league to talking about the worst team in the league, the <laughs> Chicago Bears and their number one overall draft pick. Uh, There's been a lot of speculation recently as we get closer to the draft as to what the Bears are going to do with this number one overall pick. Exactly what do you think they're going to do with it? I do not think they're going to keep the number one overall pick. I think they're going to trade back. And if I were the Bears, this would be the ideal situation. You trade back from one to two with the Houston Texans, take a second-round pick and a couple other picks, get that. Uh, Once the Indianapolis Colts see that, the second most desperate team for a quarterback, you move back from two four you got you know maybe just Forrest Buckner Michael Pittman and some more picks maybe even a first round pick next year too you do that your pick number four where you can either pick Jalen Carter or Will Anderson one of those two who you felt pretty comfortable with picking at number one overall and then so now you got the same player one of the same players you would have picked and now you have double triple the picks now that's what I would do if I were how many teams do you think are interested in the number one overall pick right now? I'd say the Texans, the Colts, potentially the Panthers if they're desperate enough, uh, the Raiders, especially now that Brady's retired. Um, I'd say that's about it. Would you say like a team like the Saints would be interested in it if they could potentially? I know they don't have other draft picks. or I mean, they just traded back into the first round. They have a first-round draft pick now. Uh, but they don't really have cap space. They don't have players. They don't. Yeah, they don't. I don't think they would because they. I don't see the Bears going for pick one to twenty nine. Yeah, that's a and bad. And then they don't really have any young players that we'd want. They're very old, and they don't have even have the cap space to maybe even pay another one overall pick because you have to give them a $30, 40 million dollar mm-hmm. contract. 
I don't think I wouldn't do it if I were them. Mm-hmm. They they're trying to trade for Derek Carr, mm-hmm. so they got to save their whatever they have left for that. Yeah, because this team for whatever reason still thinks that they can contend. Mm-hmm. Best case scenario, they go nine eight and win their division because it's going to be the worst division in football next year. <laughs> Personally, I think the Panthers are going to win that division next year. I think the Falcons are going to have a pretty good shot. Do you think a team like the Falcons could possibly trade for that first? It depends on who they sign for their quarterback. Because we talked Falcons about might it, get Lamar. Yeah, we talked about it a little bit before in the couple past weeks, but that uh, like they're not they're not sold on Mariota, but they're also not sold on Rattler. So it's like, who do they play? Who do they pick up? Do they host Derek Carr like the Saints are hosting Derek Carr? Or you know who did they look for a Brady maybe if you you know but retired whatever, <laughs> but um. So it's just like, who do we find in order to replace these two that we don't really believe in? So who do we believe in to help us get that boost? So, mm-hmm. Josh, what do you think will happen with that first overall pick? So I think the Bears are going to get rid of it, the first uh, number one pick. I think they're going to go automatically to four with the Colts. Um, I have a feeling that they're going to ask for, you know, obviously they're picks but also uh maybe a wide receiver or something i would like them to trade for four get quentin nelson and whatever other picks the colts have uh to get quentin nelson on our line for the left guard spot um and then we take you know colts get their number one overall for quarterback and we get uh will anderson at four or or Jalen Carter because I we talked about a little bit that Arizona might pick off Will Anderson a little bit early, um, but yeah I would like a, a Will Anderson on our defensive line that would be really nice. Mm-hmm. What do you think the value difference is between the first and second overall pick to the Indianapolis Colts? Like, do you think the first overall pick is worth that much more to the Colts than the second overall pick? Do you think the Bears could get maybe two of those players out of the three that we were talking about? Or do you think it would be about the same value? Hmm. I think it would be less, but it would still be a lot just because they're that desperate. I mean, Chris Greer, I believe, is their GM. He, that's not Chris Greer. That's the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Ballard, sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, that's what he said in the postseason post conference. we got to find a quarterback first and foremost more than anything else because they haven't really found one since Luck retired. So, yeah, I think. First pick would definitely be more valuable because then they could pick. I don't because I don't really know who they're high on. I have heard they do like Bryce Young, so if they want Bryce Young, they're gonna have to get first overall pick. But we'll see. Mm-hmm. Personally, the quarterback I think that could be the best out of his class is Anthony Richardson, just because he's built in a lab. <laughs> literally, he is the ultimate prospect project we've ever seen. He's literally the faster, more athletic, stronger arm version of Cam Newton for Josh Allen. If you think he's the best quarterback in the draft, do you think teams would be wasting their time trading up for this first overall pick? Maybe, but at the same time, there's a reason why he's, you know, he could go in the second round because he doesn't really know what he's doing. He's I mean, just, he's just playing ball. They said that about Lamar a lot too, though. That was part of the yeah. reason he fell all the way to the end of the first round. Yeah, but Lamar won a Heisman. He was Lamar. It was very raw coming out of college, but he was putting up the stats. Richardson, not as much. You know, and he's not as dynamic as Lamar. He's more so just you know a bigger guy who does backflips whenever he scores, which is kind of nuts. <laughs> but I mean, he's a pro- he's a project, but he's worth it. If I were the Lions, I might take him and pick eighteen. I don't. Know, we love golf, but Richardson needs like a year or two to develop. 
And by the time that happens, Goff's going to be he's going to be over 30 years old. So he definitely would be worth it. Mm-hmm. Do you see any of these teams that are up in, like, that battle for Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, do you think they could trade down instead of trade up to get a guy like Anthony Richardson or Will Levis or something and think there's more value in that than trading up? They could. I mean, I think I definitely could see Anthony Richardson going to the Panthers. I just I think they'd like him. I think Frank Reich would want to get his hands on him because Frank Reich's dealt with, you know, old, aging, white, non-athletic quarterbacks. I think that'd be, a, you know, something new. But not quite sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, a team like the Commanders, who have Ron Rivera as their head coach, do you think they would get a guy like uh, Richardson? Or how high do you think they are on uh, Sam Howell? Rumor has it that they, they wanted to give him a chance as the starting quarterback for this upcoming year. And the one game he played, he looked good. I thought they should have went to him a lot sooner. Definitely shouldn't have gone to Carson Wentz in the Week 17 game. They got them eliminated. I thought they should have put him in there. You know, they're going against the Browns. If they win that game, they're in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. It's kind of nuts that they just decided to put Carson Wentz in that game. To be honest, no. I, it's a make-or-break year for Ron Rivera. I don't think they want to deal with a developing quarterback. And I don't think Ron Rivera is very good at developing quarterbacks, if I'm being honest. Um, I think they either go with a veteran, veteran route or they just play it with Sam Howell and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, And then with the Bears – if they trade this first or old pick, start that, you know, process after they get a DeForest Buckner, a Michael Pittman, a Quentin Nelson, and then whoever they get a fourth overall pick, what are the next steps for this team this offseason? Where do you see this team going? O line. They need they need to give Justin an O line. That's why I talked about getting Quentin Nelson, because you solidify that left guard spot, but also not only the O line, I think getting a lineman like Quentin Nelson, but also drafting a good center the center from Michigan, who we exactly love a lot. And then we we move Braxton Jones to right tackle, uh, Jenkins at right guard, and go out and um, spend some money on a really good left tackle. I think getting a solidified O-line may attract, not going to, you know, hope for it, you know, maybe, but may attract a Saquon Barkley in our backfield because I don't think we're going to re-sign Montgomery. Um that's just what I think. Um, but I think it could um, attract a Saquon Barkley because having a better O-line and giving a quarterback more time to dish a pass, but also having a running back like Saquon to where he could follow that O-line would be a really good offense. And, to, and it would give Justin a lot more options than to just bail out and run, you know? You know, he could just throw a, a nice screen to Saquon or Herbert or whomever we get, you know, and and end up building the offense around him because that's what we want. You know, we want to build everything around Justin because he is our quarterback. Like, we're going to have him for a while because we have the potential to build a lot around him and really give him the tools with Ryan Poles as GM to really succeed and take us to, you know, the Super Bowl that he wants to win us so badly and that we love to hear and see, you know. So I think it starts with drafting correctly, trading correctly, and um, then going out and signing correctly. Um, And I think with a guy like Ryan Poles, I think we can really do that and take a step in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Exactly. What about you? 
Yeah, I'd say we probably go after the offensive line as well. If we can get first either, you know, Olsen or Lutimi out of Michigan, or Lugetsi does have personal connection and is very high on John Michael Schmitz out of Minnesota, who's also a very good center. Some people have rated the head of you know, a Michigan man. I'd be fine with him being at center. We go out and we get a right tackle in free agency, either Jawan Taylor or like a Caleb McGarry. I think we stick with Jones at left tackle. I mean, he was rated the number one rookie offensive lineman by multiple outlets, so that that's encouraging. And, you know, he's a hard worker. He's a smart guy. So I, I'd be fine if they kept with him just because I, I really don't want to pay Orlando Brown what he wants. I, I wouldn't. What? I just don't think Orlando Brown's worth that much money. He's not. He wants he wants Trent Williams' money. He does not deserve Trent Williams' money. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. A couple of years ago, maybe when he was playing at the top of his yeah. game, but these past couple of years. I just look at these playoff games. I just see him getting beat every pass rush. Like, and he's not a great run blocker. He wasn't a great run blocker in college. Just by going to Oklahoma and being 6'5", 360, he can't push people off the ball. Well, I think the Super Bowl is going to be a huge game for him. Because yeah. going against Hassan Reddick is going to make or break Redick. his career. Ooh, Josh no, Sweat. for real. You have a really good point right there. That's going to. All the guys, they can put Brandon Graham. That's not. That's they not, run a go up three front and move Fletcher Cox over a little bit. He's going to have to go against guys like that. That's be, not only going to show. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. That's not only going to show Kansas front office, but show every 32, uh, 31 offices that this man is not worth the money like Trent Williams is, you know? And, like, that's going to kill it, like you're saying. It's going to make or break him. And that just hit me right now because that Hassan Reddick is going to give him a really hard time. And if you say what you're saying, if they move into, like, a three and move Cox over, that's going to be even worse for him. Oh, my gosh. That's what I would do. Then I'd cut white hair just because he's older. He's kind of declining. I love him, but time to go. And then I'd go out and I'd sign a left guard. Quite, I mean, I would love Quentin Nelson, but I don't yeah. know if the Colts are willing to give him up. I wouldn't mind also that left guard from um, if he I, he might be a tackle, but the one TCU, no, 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 no the NDSU guy, the toothless one. Oh yeah, Cody Mock. He would be yeah. an animal. He, I'd be cool with that. Uh, you're there, like maybe in later on, Steve Avila from TCU. He's been a guy that's been rumored to Ryan Poles likes, and he's a big, physical, big old guy. Um, I would have loved to get Elton Jenkins, but of course the Packers re-signed him. As that's what we were saying like two months ago, get Jack Conklin and Elton Jenkins, and they both got signed on like the same day. <laughs> so angry. Uh, yeah, but I, you'd have to go offensive line. You're that, and then I think receiver is something that, like, with Mooney and Claypool, we have those two. We can get a guy in the second round, maybe Ninjigba, or we trade back so much we have a bunch of picks. We trade back in the first round, get a guy like Ninjigba. We can do that. Sign like a Chark or like a guy on Chark's level. I'm not. I'm not big on DJ Chark. He's very injury prone, as we saw this year. But he was good when he was out there. Sign a guy at that level, and then I think we should be fine. Receiver wise, we have a good tight end. Our running backs can catch. I think we'll be all right. I th- I just think the biggest problem with the offensive line in the passing game was the offensive line. I think also the D line. Sorry, I just wanted yeah, to I add agree. that the D line. We let go Akudi Muhammad. He gives us five mil. Let go of Cody Whitehair gives us another five mil, so it's ten mil we can spend uh, plus whatever on another like on on the O line, but also we keep Justin Jones. He was really good for us last year. Yeah, we have Dom Rob and Gibson, and if we draft like a Will Anderson or if we get Justin, we keep Justin Jones and draft a Jalen Carter. That's our D line right there. Mm-hmm. Like that is a yeah. nice picture D line. So Javon Hargrave, that'd be nice. 
Yeah, so stuff like that. Is so it it's, it's more more or less like the offensive line and defensive line because we know we have what we have in the secondary and corners fine. We have Sam Bonnet linebacker with Morrow. He, they're perfectly fine. But re-signing, redoing both of those lines and maybe in the backfield a little bit with Montgomery leaving because he's going to request out-of-the-butt money, like redo that and we have a, a contending team. Mm-hmm. Um. Last week, exactly, you sent us in our group chat a picture that was basically saying the Bears have to spend money this offseason. Like, they're yeah. being forced by the yeah. NFL to spend money this offseason. That was kind of nuts. Um, Didn't really make sense mathematically, but I guess we have to spend that much money. Um, what, did, what did we have to spend? $293 million? Like 245 mil we have to spend just to meet a certain requirement when you add the players already on your team. It's kind of nuts. Do you think that stops them from cutting guys like Whitehair and Muhammad? Just because they're on contract, or do you think they're just thinking no, it's I time think, to move on? From I think move them on, or we can give that to someone else. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. Pace, not pace. Don't do that. Don't ah! don't don't do that. Don't do ah! that, man. Holes, holes. You know he gutted this roster to begin with last year. He tore it down. Then the guys remaining from the pace era, he still isn't very like he's not. Those aren't his guys. Mm-hmm. So I think he'd be more than down to cut white hair and you know. He got Alquadine because that was Averfus's guy, and then he went out. He had a terrible year. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think there's any value in those guys on the trade market, so that the Bears can just flip the contracts just because of how weak this free agent free agency class really is? Maybe White here, not Muhammad. Not, yeah, definitely not, not even not. for like a six round pick. You don't think we could? May- no. Maybe a six round pick. I could see a six round pick. It doesn't have to be this year. Like we could get one next yeah, year. Yeah, like a twenty twenty four. I could see maybe for a six rounder, but nothing more than a six rounder for next year, the year after. Al Qudi Muhammad is not that I guy. I don't He's think not. it's worth it because then they'd, cause they, there's no way they'd pay his full salary. They're not gonna pay five mil and give him a six round pick for a guy who had a terrible year. I think we just need to cut him. Mm-hmm. Just get him out. Um, and then Josh, I wanted to ask you. Um, well, I guess it can go both you guys. Uh, you guys were talking about how they should improve the offensive line. Uh, I think personally that if the Colts are willing to, or want the first overall pick, they would be willing to give Quentin Nelson. If it's for the second overall pick, they are not willing to give Quentin Nelson. So if we get Quentin Nelson for that first overall pick to the Colts, I think that you know you get one more offensive lineman, a guy like Jawan Taylor. I love Jawan Taylor. He's one of my favorite tackles in the league. I think he has a lot of promise for a, still a guy who's pretty young. I think he's only like 25, 26. Um, you know, get those guys. I think it might be beneficial to sign, keep Montgomery. You know, we have the money. Saquon Barkley is going to ask for a lot more. And if the offensive line is better, you don't need a Saquon Barkley. Look at what yeah. the Eagles are doing this year with Miles Sanders. And I think Miles Sanders and David Montgomery are probably about the same. That's Remember where I would. What we did with Montgomery and Herbert when they were both healthy. Mm-hmm. Do you, Do you think that would be a logical choice to keep Montgomery no. in that situation? No, yeah, definitely. I'd love to keep it definitely. But if we didn't get someone like a Quentin Nelson. I don't think it's worth re-signing Montgomery because then that's he's he's going to be asking for Saquon money when I'd rather pay Saquon that money, mm-hmm. you know, because he's a little bit more consistent than Montgomery. Because I like once we drafted Herbert, I liked Herbert way more than I did Montgomery because Herbert was more of like your five yard bubble, but also if he went to like he can't really block because he's pretty small, but when you need him there, he's there. Like Montgomery, I feel like can always get blown off the ball even though he can block better and he's more of like let me run right down the middle and get like three yards four yards herbert herbert yeah herbert fits the scheme way better he'll make a play out of nothing 
Her Montgomery will do that here and there, but not as consistently as Herbert would because Herbert's smaller and more elusive. Yeah, he's faster. So like her, that's why I said like Herbert is my guy that I'm sticking with. But if we can get someone like Quentin Nelson, yeah, I wouldn't remind signing Montgomery because Montgomery loves the team. You know, like it's not like he's gonna be like, oh, I'm out. You know, like he wants to stay. Every player wants to stay with their franchise that they get picked by or whatever. Not everybody. But. Yeah. <laughs> The people who like their franchises, yes. Um, but, I mean, even if we did get a Quentin Nelson, I don't think I'd want to take that responsibility on because I feel like Quentin Nelson would take the 10 mil, but he'd also ask for a little bit more. And it's a lot to keep a guy like Quentin Nelson happy because he's, it's one of the, in my opinion, me being a biased lineman, it's one of the hardest positions in the game. We take a beating. like So, I mean, I'm like, Maso menos. I'm so so on it. You know, like it's there's pros and cons to it, and it's just kind of like a a thing you have to feel with what comes out later with contracts, talks, and whatever. So, mm-hmm. last thing before we move on from the Chicago Bears, how realistic do you think it could be for the Bears to trade for one of the bigger receivers that are going to be on the market, like a DeAndre Hopkins? Do you think that's realistic at all this off season? Could be. I think more so if, say, Tampa doesn't get, like, a Derek Carr, I think either Godwin or Evans would be very realistic because they would probably want to rebuild. I mean, without Brady and without a legit quarterback, I don't see that team going anywhere. Uh, I'd say one of those two. But, yeah, Hopkins is very – that could happen. I mean, Cardinals want to move him. He doesn't want to be there anymore. I could see that happening. We're up by seven. Oh, my God. <laughs> um. How much do you think it would take to get either Hopkins or, like you were saying, Evans or Godwin? Second rounder. That's it? Probably, because we're going to take on their deals. I mean, I Hopkins guess, is getting, but like, 27 mil a year. If you're, let's say you're the Cardinals, I'm looking at the Bears, and I'm going, they can take on that deal. I don't, I'm not going to give them any pity for... Doing that, they have $295 million that they need to spend. Yeah, but then we could be like, okay, 27 mil for a 31-year-old wide receiver. But at the same time, don't you think the Bears, if they're trying to turn this franchise around fast, that would be something worth it and that they would possibly give a little bit to I get w- a guy like that? I wouldn't really? mind giving up a Dante Pettis or a Pringle. Dude, no one's taking those. Come on, man. Come on. No one is taking them. Both of them are AJ, free agents. I think the Cardinals had Pettis for a little bit. They don't even have their rights on, anymore. Man. They're Green free retired. agents. They need, they need more wide receivers. <laughs> AJ Green retired. I wouldn't. You know? I, if I had to pick between <laughs> a peanut butter sandwich and I'm allergic to peanuts and Dante Pring- Pettis and Pringle, I'm taking the peanut butter sandwich and then I'm downing Benadryl so I can be okay. <laughs> oh, my God. I might even take a pistachio, pistachio sandwich. Which would put me on my deathbed. <laughs> <laughs> then those two again, especially Pettis. Oh, if, I, I mean, I, if I, either one of them come back to the team, exactly, you have to get their jersey. I will. It'll, it'll, <laughs> I, I probably get it like goodwill for like eight dollars and ninety-seven cents. I don't even think they'd sell them. There. What, what about a Vilas Jones Jr.? Throw, I mean, I think a team would possibly trade for him, but I don't think he has any value because he. He couldn't even kick return this he year. He did. You know, he kicked it. He couldn't punt return. Punt return. Yeah, he yeah. couldn't punt return. He did return. end the year pretty strong, though. I mean, he had that that very nice catch against the Bills, the 40-yard touchdown against the Vikings. <laughs> it was, he ended the end of the year on a little more, a bit of a high note. With this, he was a good kick returner. He was a top-ten kick returner in the NFL. Mm-hmm. 
All it's right. not what you want out of your top wide receiver draft pick. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You loved him too. You thought he was. Good. We both. We both did. Well, see, if he didn't like miss all of training camp in like the first couple weeks, it would have gone off to just a better start. And then, <sighs> not for real. Him being out of training camp with the hamstring, right? Yeah. It that that was tough. I don't, I don't even know why they put him back for punts. Like I don't even think he did punts. Like, it was all kick returns. I mean, I don't think it could be that much different. And for a guy who had as much. That was his job in college. He was a gadget dude kick returner for 82 years. He was, like, 42 coming out of the See, trip. If he was 21, 22 right now, we'd be fine. Exactly, but it's he's just, not. He's already 26 now. Uh-huh. He's old. So, like, I feel like it was a waste of a when big just because like, When he's on, his rookie deal's up, he's going to be, like, 30. Like, I don't really know what Poles was thinking. I had to really convince myself to feel good <laughs> about that pick. And, like, they just – they all they said was Debo Samuel, Debo Samuel. I was like, okay, that makes sense. Six foot, two hundred, fast. That will work. But then they didn't use him as Debo Samuel. <laughs> if they, every time he got an end around, he got like you know fifteen yards if he didn't fumble. Mm-hmm. So that would have worked. But since he had, since he you know <laughs> he couldn't hold Vaseline on, on his arms twenty four seven apparently. <laughs> All right, before we take a break here, we wanted to do another food battle. Like we said, we're gonna do these. So we're gonna do the bracket every other week, and then the. In between weeks, we're going to do the final battle where we do the food taste test uh, where you guys will win $15 each or every other week or so. Uh, this week, last week, we did the Super Bowl food battle, the barbecue fries against the Philly cheesesteak. Uh, the barbecue fries came out on top. They will go into our big winner's bracket for the end of the year. Maybe we'll do a giant taste test, come back to some stuff. Uh, but during that battle, we asked you guys to comment on our Instagram post. Uh, tag three people, uh, comment which one you thought would win. Uh, after going through the selections, doing a little randomizer, stuff like that, we have come up with our winner for this week. This week, our winner is Chris Swiatek. He wins the $15 to go get himself some barbecue fries. He voted for the cheesesteak, though, so maybe he'll go get himself a cheesesteak. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, but Chris uh, will post a post on Instagram for you, and we'll give you the $15 next time we see you around campus. So just let us know. Come down to the station. We can help you out, or we can come meet you somewhere to give you your prize. This week, uh, Josh had a great idea for our food bracket. Josh, what do you got? So I came uh, for randomly uh, Saturday during work. I was thinking about it. You know how I've seen a bunch of clips on YouTube how people who have done heinous crimes in the world um, they'll end up on death row and they're allowed one last meal, whatever they want. Either it's it's brought to them, it's made for them, whatever the case may be, right? So I asked Chuck and Sackman that if you guys were on death row for your last meal ever in the world before you get put down, what are you eating? For your last meal. Mm-hmm. And we each picked one for our fourth one. We're all going to say our second options, and we're going to do like a little play-in tournament like the NBA finals where, you know, they have a bunch of teams play for that eighth spot. And then that fourth spot, we're going to put it in the bracket with the other three picks, choose which two are going to be the winners. Next week we'll taste test those two and decide a winner from that. Josh, your challenge, you want to start off, what's in that number one seed? Yeah, so for my number one seed, it's a little – bit of a curveball because not a lot of people know it and i'm very sorry if i offend anyone i'm gonna pronounce it as best i can <laughs> and i believe it is polish food uh or polish german dutch whatever it's one of those um wiener schnitzel 
which is like a breaded uh like steak kind of it's like a, you can get like pork steak beef yeah steaks, all so something like that um there was a place riverside restaurant shout out them they're closed um absolutely said that they like shut down um it was like the best spot me and my family loved it a lot but we're doing that we're getting three pieces instead of two we're doing dumplings instead of potatoes uh their gravy of course oh my god and um they only served it on sundays but if i'm on death row i want it right <laughs> um goulash soup uh it was a nice like um beef like gravy soup it was really good and then a nice cup of chocolate pudding that they served that's what I'm having for my last meal. Exactly. What's going to be here? I've always been a mac and cheese guy ever since I was a little baby. So just an ungodly amount of Chick-fil-A <laughs> mac and cheese. <laughs> and I'm also lactose intolerant, so I feel <laughs> that, like, poison being in my body will offset the lethal injection. Oh, so right. I think I'll just walk through the lethal injection <laughs> and maybe, like, die for, like, two seconds. So then it could be technically I'm put down, but then I'd walk out a free man. Oh. I then just have an absolutely gnarly diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously a Diet Coke, right? Or Diet Pepsi? Oh, yeah, with the Diet Pepsi. <laughs> um, I think for my death row meal, Culver's has been a staple of my life, being from Wisconsin. Wisconsin. It was like <laughs> once a week, once every two weeks, my family would get Culver's. I still get it at least like once a month. I love Culver's. couple double cheeseburgers, ketchup and mayo ungodly amount of cheese curds and fries you got to mix them together that's how you do it and a lot of culver's ranch and a concrete mixer to top it all off that would be my final meal josh what would be your pick number two for this little player for the little wild card tournament i'm taking chicken parm chicken parm with a nice uh it could be homemade or from a restaurant whatever i don't mind either one's good my mom makes a killer chicken parm um but yeah i'm taking chicken chicken parm for my wild card Exactly. What's your second pick? I'd say my second pick is just you know you you know when you're a kid and it's like a random Saturday. And your family <laughs> What's goes with to the that. kids stuff? <laughs> well, I'm thinking it's like a, I think it has like a connection. <laughs> so just like just you go to one of those good old Chinese buffets and you just grab just a handful of everything and you just smack that down on a plate. That <laughs> it's got to be one that has like a two star rating. <laughs> that like everyone oh, says it's always bad, but you personally love and everyone looks at you weird when you say you love that place and there was one time maggots in the rice that's what it needs to <laughs> oh my god no please um so i can already say i don't <laughs> think Syracuse is gonna win the wild card tournament um for my second uh pick i hate that this is my second pick because josh the schnitzel is really close to it but i just love a good country fried steak oh yeah like the best country fried steak some of the country gravy over it some every good every time i have one of those it's Bad news, dude. That's where, crazy. where do you go? Where do you I've go? I had them in like the south too, and I was just like, I'm just on toys the rest of going. That's just because you're lactose intolerant and with gurgly and everything. That was before I was lactose. I think you just got stomach problems, yeah. <laughs> But cheddar mashed potatoes, not just mashed potatoes, but mashed potatoes with some cheese in them, a little, you know, onion and chive. Yummy. That, that doesn't sound too bad, but I'm more of like a breakfast country fried uh, steak, so hash browns. Yeah, Ooh, that works too. Those, that's killer. Some corned beef hash. That'd be good with mac and cheese. <laughs> what is wrong with you? I do like mac and cheese. <laughs> so between those wild cards, you know, what are you going with, Josh? I'm going with chicken parm. Exactly. Yeah, my mom makes a good chicken parm as well. I, I had some last week, and I was only going to eat one piece, but I ate like four. Look at that. And yeah. 
Yeah, my parents make a pretty good chicken parm and pasta on Christmas some years, so I might have to go with that. Um, so chicken parm wins that fourth spot on the bracket. Yep. Let's go over to that other side. That's going to be you versus Sackley. <laughs> so we have the Polish dinner versus an ungodly amount of mac German. and cheese. German. German. Ungodly. Mac cheese. You still sticking with your? I'm sticking with mine, man. <laughs> I got, I gotta stick with mine. <laughs> Josh, I hate to bring it to you, mac and cheese There's is no like way. mac and cheese is like top three food for me too. I can't. I that would probably be my third pick. Isn't schnitzel just like a big pretzel? No, no. Isn't schnitzel. there like a sausage in it? It's literally got like it's, it's like, like a, it's like it's basically a country fried steak, yeah, but like a German version. Of yeah, it. it's like it's thinner. It's like way thinner. But the bro, you pour the. Oh my god! <laughs> you you pour the gravy, bro. You squeeze. They give you a piece of lemon. You squeeze the lemon on it. You, you pour the gravy on it. Not even gravy. Oh, with a good mustard it's sauce. Just like it's like a big saucy wiener kind of thing. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> it's, like it's, flat. Flat. It's, it's like flat. It's like It's flat. Like, but still. With I'm dumplings, sorry. man. Come I'm sorry, on. Josh. I think the mac and cheese is gonna have to beat it out. No way. I think we're gonna have to get an ungodly mac and cheese <laughs> next Oh my week. god. Uh, for the other side, we have the Culver's feast. Versus uh, your second overall pick, the chicken parm. What are we going with? Chicken parm. It's a, it's a classic. I'm sorry. I'm not a big Culver's guy. If I was, I would have picked Culver's. Uh, I do like their butter burgers. They're okay. Um, I've never had a concrete mixer. It sounds nice, yeah, but I mean, I like. I'll take a nice chicken parm. I'm gonna buy you a concrete mixer still, even if Culver's doesn't work. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to have to go stick with my Culver's. I love Culver's so much, dude. Exactly, you're the deciding vote here. So it's between chicken parm and Culver's? Uh-huh. <clears throat> Slight edge just because there's so many different things you can get at Culver's. I'll go at Culver's. Oh, man. Josh goes oh, for, for two, two bro. <laughs> you were looking so promising with the play-in win. <laughs> bro, like, come on. <laughs> All right. So next week we will have a battle between some good old Chick-fil-A mac and cheese and a Culver's Butter Burger, maybe even a concrete mixer, just so Josh can try it. Yeah, I'll take it. Chick-fil-A uh, is good. <laughs> oh, no. Culver's has Wisconsin on its side. So. <laughs> it has Chuck on its side. Uh, so next week we'll have a battle between the <laughs> <laughs> Next week we'll have a battle between those two, uh, and again, a, somebody will win fifteen dollars to go get themselves some of the winner. This week, again, like I said before, Chris Chris Swiatek won the fifteen dollars from last week's battle. So, Chris, if you're listening, come on down to the station. Otherwise, we'll DM you. Find out where we can give you your, your reward. We're gonna take a quick break here. When we come back, we're gonna talk about the Pro Bowl and the NBA All Star Game. Uh, give you guys a little breakdown of what's happening in the trade deadline. Uh, talk about the Bulls for a little bit. And then we got a, another draft for you guys. So stay tuned for all of that. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Blue Jay Boys Show with Big Chuck, Sackman, and Senor Diaz. Only on WRSE. How's everybody doing? If you're just tuning in, this is Big Chuck coming at you live with WRC 88.7 FM Blue Jay Radio. And like the uh, middle intro said, you are listening to the Blue Jay Boy Show with Senor Diaz and Sackman here with me. 
before we were talking about the Super Bowl, went through the Bears draft, what we think is going to happen there, and did another food bracket. Uh, now we are going to move on. We're going to stick with the NFL a little bit, but also transition to the NBA at the same time. Uh, the NFL Pro Bowl happened this weekend. What did you guys think of the new format? Um, I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, I kind of liked how it wasn't just one big game and then it was all over. It was like a multitude of games that contributed to the score of the AFC versus NFC, which I thought was really cool. Um, but yeah, overall, I thought it was a really good experience. I mean, Josh Jacobs didn't like it. I don't know why. <laughs> he He's just boring, I guess. Stephon Diggs is a menace. <laughs> so... Um, for people who watch it, know why. Um, but, yeah, I, I liked it. I liked the format of it. I thought it was really fun. Seeing the Manning brothers go at it, I thought that was really funny. Um, they're both super competitive. Um, and, I mean, I I would be if I had a brother. So I loved it. Exactly what did you think of it? Yeah, I thought it was it was better than I thought it would be. I mean, I still would prefer they just do a game and then the other stuff they could do you know, leading up to it. But. I think it was good. I mean, Miles Garrett still got hurt somehow, so that was kind of interesting. And Stephon Diggs is a menace, but I thought it was fun. You know, it's kind of funny that it was a flag football game and it ended with Kirk Cousins taking a knee. <laughs> That's just the most 2023 thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and yeah, oh. I, I thought I, I didn't dislike it. What What was your favorite game that they played? Was it the flag football, or was it one of the other things that happened between Thursday and Sunday? The one with the water balloon. Yeah, I was just going to say the water balloon toss, like kind of like the egg toss. That I thought that was pretty good. Uh-huh. The dodgeball was eh, it was okay, but I thought the water balloon one was funny. Oh, actually, the the jugs machine. Yeah, that one was that, that one was good. Seeing all the linemen catch. Yeah. That, that was, that was Tyler Beadash and um, oh, who was it? It was one of the older guys that lasted pretty long in it. Uh, Beadash is from the Cowboys, right? Cowboys, the center, yeah. yeah. Zach Martin. It might have been Zach Mara. One of they just la- they had like five balls and they were the ones catching it. I was like, how is that even possible? I know they're the uh, only ones out there, but that was Patrick Picard. Was it yeah. No, it was another offensive lineman, wasn't it? Uh, he's Matt, basically offensive. He's like Matt Milano got out early. Yeah, he was <laughs> out of it pretty early. I was surprised. It was after that. two balls, I think. Yeah, but I, I thought that one was a lot of fun. You know, I like anything with the O-linemen, D-linemen. Uh, this water balloon was pretty fun with those guys because they were just – some of them were like, smashing it in that first one. Yeah. Some of them have really soft hands for big dudes, though. I was really surprised. Yeah. Um, wh- Why do you think guys still didn't really compete in this? Do you think it was just because there was a lot of injuries? Because there was still, like, the quarterbacks. Let's talk about the AFC quarterback situation for this Pro Bowl game. Tyler Huntley was in a Pro Bowl. Tyler Huntley had like, <laughs> two touchdown passes and like six interceptions, three interceptions. I think it was, I, and he ran the ball pretty well this season. But he was in the Pro Bowl. Why, why do you think even those guys? They went through seven other alternates before they got to him. Why, why do you think nobody wants to play in the Pro Bowl still? They just didn't feel like. I mean, a lot of them, you know, Josh Allen, Trevor, not Trevor Lawrence. Josh Allen, he lost in playoffs. Joe Burrow. Burrow, they. It, they were still booty hurt. They just didn't want, feel like driving to Orlando, wherever it was. And then, you know, Lamar was hurt. Tua was still in concussion protocol. I mean, I, I, just, I don't know why they, they picked Huntley. They could have went like Jacoby Brissett had like a solid year. Or like, uh, Even Kenny Pickett had a better year. You could have thrown him in there. Trubisky. <laughs> 
I don't know about Trubisky. Uh, yeah, he played better than Pickett. <laughs> uh, then, I don't know. They could have. Who else? Who else in the AFC is worthy in that situation? I would say. Mike White, that one game. <laughs> yeah, Mike White. That'd be fun. Josh Dobbs. Oh, Josh Dobbs, and it would have been so and cool. Even like Russell Wilson. I don't know about that. Ah, yeah, I don't know about that one, man. <laughs> I think Tyler Huntley might have been better than that. <laughs> I know. Matt but, Jones. Uh-huh. Uh, is Sean Watson in the AFC? Of course. Yeah, but he only played like four games. Sean Watson? Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's it. Um, it's very interesting. What, what do you think the NFL needs to do? Because I feel like they went to this, you know, flag football type of thing to get more guys to come. And it worked a little bit. A lot of the skill position guys were in it. Like, guys, the other guys wanted to play it. What do you think they need to do to get these quarterbacks to want to play in it and those other star players that decide to sit out just because? What What do they need to do? I think we're just past this as a society now. They just, they just don't want to do it. If it's not them getting paid and mass amounts of money, they're not going to do it. Everything today, there's no more love about the game. It's just strictly all business now. They're, you could make it the best game, most crazy game ever, and no one's going to come. Who it is? I think guys like Tyler Huntley can say they made a Pro Bowl. They can tell their grandkids they made a Pro Bowl. When then Tyler Huntley went out and performed arguably the second best. Second in best in the QB competition. <laughs> the QB competition. That was hilarious. Dude. He, he started off awful, too. Like, yeah. his first, like, three throws were some of the worst throws it's I've like, ever seen. And then he was, just caught fire. Like, it was crazy. First three throws, he's like, is this, is this young fellow running back? <laughs> and then he just went out, and then he was just throwing dimes. It's kind of, I think even he was kind of surprised. <laughs> The fact that Derek Carr did the best was hilarious. And then he's like, yeah, there's a reason why. This is the hottest I've ever been in Las Vegas. There's a reason why I'm leaving. <laughs> Legend. Um, do you think that there's any possibility for the NFL to bring back an actual game? Do you think there's any interest from the players to do that? Or do you think this is set in stone? This is how the Pro Bowl is? They're going to bring it back. It's, it's going to be because the owners want it and because the NFL wants it. Cause it's, it's a solid, like, you know, it's a good money thing. But the players don't want it. That's the reason why they didn't have it. They didn't want it. Mm-hmm. Um, moving over to the NBA All-Star game, that's coming up here soon. And then they just had the NHL All-Star game as well. The And then, you know, you throw in the MLB All-Star game that happens later in the year. All three of those All-Star games seem like they're starting to build in popularity a little bit. What, what After being down a little bit, what do you think the NFL needs to do to also start rising again? Well, I mean, just 10 years ago, they would play actual football. Then it got, you know, two-hand touch. Okay, let's put Saquon Barkley at linebacker type games. I think they got to put it back in Hawaii. Everyone wanted to go to Hawaii. That's all they said. Hawaii. The fans of Hawaii loved it. They'd pack that giant stadium. They moved it to Orlando, and literally every year in which it was in Orlando, it rained. Put it back in Hawaii. Go to was it? it was like Aloha Aloha Stadium. Mm-hmm. Put it back in there. That's how I think they can get the players to go. They go to Hawaii. They don't want to go to Las Vegas. They don't want to go to Orlando. They can go there anytime. They want to go to Hawaii. It's all those that area of players talked about was Hawaii. It didn't matter. It didn't matter if they Jack Youngblood played in the Pro Bowl with a broken leg <laughs> a week after he lost the Super Bowl because he was in Hawaii. Put it back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think that's a huge thing. I think. It's a reward to go to Hawaii. It's not a reward to go to Orlando. No. 
<laughs> for these guys that have millions of dollars and can go anywhere they want, yes. they probably go to Disney World a couple times a year with it's, their kids or something. It's like telling your kids, "Oh, we're going to Disney World," and end up at the dentist. Well, like <laughs> that's not. Even, it's not even like that. It's like us saying, "Like, yeah, let's go celebrate our great season by hanging out Six Flags for a day." That's what they think it's like. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's cool for a little bit, but then you're like, "I could do this anytime I want." Yeah. And I think being in Hawaii, it's a reward to be in Hawaii. You know, they don't go to Hawaii. They go to Las Vegas. Some of these dudes go to Las Vegas twice a year. Some of these dudes are from Las Vegas because of that. They don't care about that. Yeah. They want it to be a reward, and I think giving that reward to those guys will be huge. The other thing is, have the Pro Bowl after the Super Bowl. Why does it have to be before the Super Bowl? There's, like we said, each of these teams have, like in the Super Bowl, have seven All-Pros. Why should we not give these guys the opportunity to play in the Pro Bowl. There's 14 of the best players in the league aren't eligible for the Pro Bowl now because they're in the Super Bowl. And if you put it three weeks after the season, two weeks after the season, it gives guys a lot of time to recuperate and recover and, you know, build their bodies back up and their minds back up to the point that they'll go, yeah, it'll be fun to play in the Pro Bowl. Yeah, it'll be fun to hang out with these guys again after I haven't seen them for three weeks. When you make it that week before the Super Bowl, nobody cares about it. People only want to care about the Super Bowl that's happening in two weeks. Yeah. Even the players, you know, they're all football fans. Most of them are football fans. They would rather care about the Super Bowl right now, even if they're not in it. Put it after the Super Bowl, a couple weeks after the Super yeah, Bowl, and it allows to be here. and it allows everybody to play. Yeah, and and it's funny that you say that that everyone's not really like focused on the Pro Bowl and more on the Super Bowl. You got guys who aren't even in the Pro Bowl talking, you know, smack about how, I forgot who it was, someone on the 49ers, I forgot his name, but he said he'd put everything he has in cash, you know, for the Chiefs to win this game. Like, you got stuff like that happening where instead it's not like, oh, you know, Peyton Manning's AFC, like, let's go, you know, like, it's everything right now is just so focused on the Super Bowl, like you're saying, and, yeah, I think having it after – three weeks after whatever X amount of time after the Super Bowl would help because then you got everyone who knows each other who are all cool with each other and whatever, they'll actually come out and want to play and actually compete, you know, and have fun. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing that the NFL is missing from their, you know, All-Star game, the Pro Bowl, is something that the, every other All-Star game has. They just have another iconic event with it. You know, the NBA All-Star game has the dunk contest. People care about the dunk contest. The MLB All-Star Game has the Home Run Derby. People care about the Home Run Derby. The NFL needs something like that. They should do, like, an Oklahoma drill. <laughs> I think people oh would love God. that. I think the players would love that, honestly. <laughs> yeah, Or, they, like, do, like, just, like, like you know, when we were, like, five, the lane of death. Uh-huh. But anyway, just, just hitting each other. The pyramid of pain and, uh... <laughs> yeah, all that stuff that probably isn't even allowed nowadays. <laughs> That's the reason why... Me and Chuck and Josh aren't going to live very long. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they would love it, but not the owners who are paying these guys these big contracts and stuff. But I, I get, but I, I get what you At the same mean, time, though, you know? the owner, what Zachley was saying, though, and what you're saying, too, the owners care about money. That's how you get money. You have to make it a multiple-day event that people care about, and they're trying. They're trying different events, and I think, you know, what they did this year was really good. They did a bunch of events and are trying to pick out what, you know, the big thing would be. And I think they thought it would be dodgeball a couple years ago. Because that first dodgeball game they had was a huge deal. People loved watching that. Mm-hmm. And then I watched the dodgeball this year, and it was so boring. Yeah, yeah they, they should do, like, the NFL's, like, fastest man like they used to do. Yeah, they should do. The farthest throw. It should be something yeah. that, like, not, like, what the games they did this year 
kind of related to football, but we're like just backyard games for kids, basically, yeah. if you look at it. They need something that actually shows off the athletic prowess of these players. That's what the home run derby does. When you see a dude hit a ball 590 feet, that's nuts. Have a liftoff. Yeah, I think, yeah, like a liftoff or like even an underhand softball game for these NFL players who sometimes crave that. They want to go play and swing a bat, you know? Something like that where it's a, a lot more competitive. Bowling, something like that, you know? Well, I mean, Not everyone's a good bowler or whatever. Not everyone's a good softball player or whatever, you know? But, like, something other than what they play all season. Well, I mean, I think the other thing is I, I agree with you and I don't agree with you. I think, like, they tried the longest swing competition, the longest drive. That was so stupid. I'm sorry. Who, did, who actually cared about the longest drive competition this year's Pro Bowl? What, like, I think people do want to see what they do all season. I know the guys probably wouldn't, but if you make it a fun contest like the dunk contest or the home run derby, guys will want to do it. You know, I think there's ways to do that. I think, you know, I like what they did by this year and the past couple of years where they kind of break it up by a position and give each position group some kind of challenge and then also have ones where they're mixed. But they should do it how they used to do it, have the longest throw competition. For the O-lineman, D-lineman, have a liftoff. For the wide receivers, have a sprint off, wide receivers and cornerbacks, you know. Do stuff like that because that shows why these dudes are in the Pro Bowl, you know. That's when you watch competitions like that and you watch the dunk contest and the home run derby, you realize why these guys are all-stars and Pro Bowlers. By watching them catch water balloons and play dodgeball, I have no idea why that guy is a Pro Bowler. Yeah. Like, it doesn't make me want to watch the game. It just makes me say, oh, Good for those guys, those millionaires. They're having fun, even though they have fun all the time doing their dream job. Yeah. Like, it's cool and all, but I don't care. When I care about what they're doing and I'm like, wow, that man is an animal, that makes me want to watch more. And I don't think I get that out of what they're doing right now in those side events. Yeah. The NBA All-Star Game uh, is coming up. The starters and the pools have been picked. Um, kind of moving over to the NBA and talking about that, who do you guys think was a huge snub in this year's All-Star game? De'Aaron Fox. Why do you say that? I mean, he's top 10 in all stats for point guards. He's on the third best team in the West right now, and he's just had a great season. I think he should be in. And just I don't think a guy like Paul George should be in who's missed half the season. I think that he should have gotten over Paul George. What do you feel about Anthony Davis on that West side? Do you think he has any merit to get into the All-Star game if there's injury replacements? If they're going to do injury replacements, Fox should be the first one. I mean, Davis has just missed too much time. And, you know, his team is, like, in 12th place as well. I think it should be Fox. Um, maybe a guy like – I mean, at this point, the way Clay Thompson's playing, he's – this is the best Clay Thompson we've seen in years. It's pre-injury Clay. He's averaging, he had 42 last night. He's averaging 21 points per game now. I believe that's a career high. And the Warriors, I mean, they're back in the. They win a game, they lose a the game, they go from 10th to 6th. They, you know, I think it should be Clay. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the Eastern side, are there any guys you feel like got snubbed? Jalen Brunson. I thought he should have got in over Julius Randle, his teammate. It's kind of so Randle is having a great year, but I was surprised he got in. Uh, either him or maybe like a. Halliburton get in? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's good. Hard, Harden got snubbed. That's a big one. Yeah, I'd say Harden. Harden. Why do you feel like Jalen Brunson should have got in over his teammate, Julius Randle? I just, I mean, this is the best 
Knicks point guard we've seen in decades. I mean, he's averaging like what 20, 21 points, five assists. He's averaging more assists. He's a little more efficient. He's just the Knicks actually have a stable point guard for the first time in years. He's been arguably the biggest reason why they are now improved and at thirty and twenty six, tied for the sixth seed. I just think that he just should have got over Randall. Josh, who do you think was the biggest snub? Hmm. It's a good one. I agree with the Darren Fox one. I feel like he honestly, him and Savonis working together for that Sacramento Kings scene is like insane. Like they're a really good duo. Um, can't think of any other ones. I haven't been following it too much. Um, what about you? Come back to me. I mean, I I personally think you know James Harden was the biggest snub. I I like Jalen Brunson. I think what Jalen Brunson has on this season has, like you said, greatly improved the New York Knicks. Um, but at the same time, I think I think Randall is just the leader of that team. And I think that's why he got a little more respect from the coaches um, when they were picking the reserves. And I think it was probably pretty close. They were probably neck and neck in votes. I haven't looked at the votes yet. But, you know, I think Randall is just, when he's out there, he has more of a presence for that team. He makes the New York Knicks. Um, there's when they're in close games and going down to the wire, it's Randall that has the ball in his hands a lot. It's Randall that is taking the shots. It's Randall that, you know, his big games matter more, I feel like. When he has a bad game, it hurts the Knicks a lot more, and when he has a good game, it helps the Knicks a lot more. I think Jalen Brunson, while being the more, you know, constant scorer and performer, it makes his bigger games seem less valuable than Julius Randle, and I think people and coaches look at that and think, you know, maybe he's not the best player. I think this is what a lot of people are saying about Tyrese Halliburton versus, like, James Harden, where they feel like, yes, Tyrese Halliburton is so much more consistent, whereas James Harden just impacts the game more. The only difference is, is Harden has Joel Embiid on his team, and Tyrese Halliburton's doing it by himself, basically. So I think the coaches gave Halliburton a little more credit in that sense, but when it was the same conversation for Julius Randle versus uh, Jalen Brunson, they felt like Julius Randle just had more of the upside for that team when it came to crunch time and winning games. <clears throat> um, looking at some of the starters and the bench guys, is there any guys you felt like should be in the starting rotation, some guys you feel like should be on the bench? I don't think Zion should be a starter. He's just missed way too much time, and now his team's – Eighth seed because of that. I mean, I love Zion. He when he plays, he is dynamite. He just never plays. So I would go him not being a starter. I'd put. I'd love to put Embiid in the starting lineup. I mean, I don't care if you got to put him at two guard. He's deserving of a starting spot in the All Star game. The NBA.com put him as number two in the MVP rankings right now, and he is on the bench for the All Star yeah, game. It's, yeah, he needs to be in the starting lineup. He's uh, had too good of a year. Seventy Sixers are up there. And now that Kyrie is now on the West, I believe that either there needs to be a replacement for him or that Embiid needs to be bumped to the starting lineup. That's I, what I think believe. how it works, I think Kyrie is still considered an East player because he'll play most a majority of his games in the East this season or up to this point. Um, so I don't think he just like moves over conference. I'm not really sure how it works. I've never really seen this lately. The last time it was probably like DeMarcus Cousins getting traded at the deadline to the Pelicans. And I think they had the big thing, but I think he still he was in the West still, so it didn't really matter. Um, you know, 
people are saying that Kevin Durant may not play in the All Star game. So just about to say that Joel Embiid could move up for Kevin Durant uh, into the starting lineup. I think it's just so stupid that there is like a position lock. Like you need two backcourts and three front courts. Like that doesn't make any sense to me. Why can't Joel Embiid just start? Especially in the age of positionless basketball. Exactly. He's doing everything for this team. He's averaging five assists. He could be a point guard technically. Like, why can't he just be out there with these guys? It doesn't make any sense, especially since they don't even have a center starting in that lineup for the East. Like, it's just front court guys. So if you're going to say that it could be any front court guy, why can't you just say five spots all around? It could be anybody. Because then you, you know, you disrespect guys like Joel Embiid. I don't know why the fans didn't vote him in. It was probably because they just couldn't based on how many guys are in the front court in the East that deserve it. So it, it screws him over when he deserves it. I know the All-Star isn't the biggest deal, but compared to, like, the Pro Bowl and the NFL, guys care about an All-Star appearance. And an All-Star appearance matters on your record in the NBA. Yeah. Like, when people look at your career record, if you made three All-Star games, that's a big deal. In the NFL, if you make three Pro Bowls, nobody cares. But in the NBA, it matters. So for to be a starter versus a bench player also matters. And if you're a three-year starter versus a three-year guy on the bench, people, there's a difference between those guys to a lot of people. <clears throat> so a guy like, you know, Joel Embiid being on the bench, it just puts more fuel on his fire, and he should just be mad about that. And I think it's unfair to him to keep him on the bench in that lineup. Moving on, uh, I wanted to talk about the Chicago Bulls. Uh, we have one all-star in DeMar DeRozan. Do you think that was an earned all-star position, or do you think it was just because they didn't know who else to put in that spot on the bench? I think he earned it. I mean, he's having another tremendous season again, and the Bulls have had a little bit of resurgence as of late, especially after that Minnesota game. They allowed 150 points. Uh, I think he, he earned it. How do you feel about this Bulls team being helmed by DeMar DeRozan going into the trade deadline, and what kind of moves do you think will happen to either build around him or maybe move him like a Kyrie Irving type deal? Um, I think they need to build around him. Um, I know there's there's a lot of talk with um, or a lot of speculation going around with the Bulls and Raptors. Um, I think getting like a guy like uh, Pascal Siakam to help DeRozan would be pretty good. Um, we de- I honestly, uh, what caught my eye was the Christian Wood, that the Mavs are shopping Christian Wood. I think that would be a pretty good trade because we need a big man. And um, Christian Wood, in my opinion, is uh, that guy. Um, not our solidified big man, but a big man, a real one, um, who can get it done on both sides of the court sometimes. Uh, he is a decent offensive player. But more more or less for the defensive aspect that we need because um, we do have some offensive weapons. But, I mean, that's what I ex- not expect, but – it, I wouldn't be surprised if that's something that we saw coming into uh, Thursday, which is the deadline. Mm-hmm. Um, what guys do you feel the Bulls should target, like you personally? What do you think the Bulls can go out there and actually get in the market? Pascal. Just because the Raptors have really, like I heard uh, Adrian Wojnarowski say this road trip for the Raptors, this is going to turn one out. They're going to be buyers or sellers, and they've lost, like, I believe, the last four games, so I think they're going to sell. Uh, I'd try to get something for Pascal, and I'd, we need a power forward. We need a bigger man. 
Patrick Williams, I like him, but he really hasn't showed much growth since his rookie year. He's averaging the same amount. I know he doesn't get the most shots, but still, I would try to pair you know him and maybe Vooch for Pascal and then just start drumming the rest of the year. Do you think that, you know, Patrick Williams has more of a ceiling than what we're seeing right now? And do you think that's why people don't want the Bulls to trade him? Or do you think this is something that the Bulls should have done a while ago? Is he is he a key part of this team right now? I think they should have got rid of him a while ago. That was just me because when we drafted him, I thought he was just going to be another Daniel Gafford. I mean, And he kind of fought through that phase of a Daniel Gafford. But right when we let go of Daniel Gafford, he started playing amazing with the Wizards. And it was just like, hmm, maybe like this is like – it's it's always been a trend for Chicago. I don't know why. Um, historically, like anyone we draft or anyone we bring in, they'll come in from a really good team, they'll play horrible, and then we'll let them go, and they'll go play for another team and play like they're LeBron. Like it's annoying to uh, see and go through, but – um. I mean, I think it's something that I feel like we should just let him go. Um, like I said, we should have just done it a while ago. We could have probably got a lot for him because um, he was a decent big man. And, I mean, he probably he probably has a lot more potential he could reach, but I don't think he'll be able to reach it with us, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, Kind of sticking with that, I – Patrick Williams has, honestly, I believe, one of the brightest futures in the league. He reminds me a lot. So when the Bulls had Laurie Markkinen, it feels a lot like that situation. And Laurie Markkinen is an all-star this year because he got more of an opportunity to show who he is. When Patrick Williams is playing with this roster right now, first of all, you're not going to get shots when you're playing with DeMar DeRozan, Nikola Vucevic, and Zach Levine. Those guys are going to eat up shots. They don't care if they're missing all of them, making all of them, they're taking 15 shots a game each you can't get shots in that rotation and then you also have guys like you know Kobe White who loves to shoot the ball off the bench there's games where Goran Dragic loves to go and shoot 15 times if he's feeling hot Andre Drummond Drummond likes to shoot sometimes and take more shots when he's feeling hot Euro step air ball layups yeah that was pretty bad earlier if you guys were watching the Bulls game (laughs) um you know and it's hard for guys like that to get an opportunity especially when he wasn't even expected to do that in the first place when he came in there's games where Patrick Williams looks really good where he looks like he can be a decent scorer in the NBA and there's other games where he only gets four shots a game but the issue is is that at the same time that people weren't expecting him to be the scorer and then people are kind of realizing that he can do it if he gets the opportunity people expected him coming and play stellar defense and there are some games where Patrick Williams looks really, really young and raw on the defensive side of the ball. There's other games where most of the time where he looks like he has just this natural instinct. And then there's other games where you're like, wow, he is still really, really young and raw in talent. And that, that was what the Bulls knew they were getting when they took him at four. They knew they were getting a very raw player who had a lot of potential to be Kawhi Leonard, people were saying. <clears throat> I feel like that because of that rawness, the Bulls are at the point where it's either blow it up now or go out and try to win a championship. And they need to go out and try to win a championship. And Patrick Williams is too young and too raw to be a part of that. And I think people should have known that 
at the beginning of the season, halfway through last year, that that was what the Bulls needed to change. And I think you can go out and get a guy like Pascal Siakam because, first of all, Patrick Williams fits exactly what the Raptors love to do. They love those lanky, long guys who can play four positions and play defense everywhere. He's going to fit perfectly there. He's going to get his chance to shine there, especially if they don't have Pascal Siakam. Uh, him and Scotty Barnes are basically the same player. They came from the same place and play exactly the same way. Scotty Barnes just looks a little better sometimes and a little more polished. Too. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> you know, there's there's something there for another team. The Bulls shouldn't be wasting their time with that right now. And I think they're too worried about, you know, what's going to happen at the end of this season to make a move on that, but they need to just choose. They can't be wishy-washy anymore. It's been wishy-washy for the past five years. You know, you never knew what you were going to get from the Bulls. You know, at least as Bears fans, we can say we know what we were going to get from the Bears this season. Yep. I want that from the Bulls. I'm tired of sitting in that limbo. Mm-hmm. You know, it needs to change for this team, and I think that starts with trading Patrick Williams. With the trade deadline here, uh, one of the biggest trades happened a couple days ago. Kyrie Irving was traded to the Dallas Mavericks. For Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, Dorian Finney-Smith, and a couple of picks. 2029. <laughs> How do you feel about this trade for the Mavericks? I think it's a very good trade. I mean, um, I remember you said it that um, the Mavs could climb out of the east, correct? Yeah. Uh, west. West, sorry. Um, so I think if if they're shopping Christian Wood, and I believe, I forgot the other player's name, um, and if they can get a another big star and another like a certified big man i think they can go on a nice run with luca healthy right now he's not because he has a heel contusion um but i feel like Kyrie can like hold his uh end of the bargain with it for now um but i feel like this team could actually like mesh really well if they're looking to get another star into that team i mean mark cuban will spend the money he doesn't care um because, you know, he wants the championship. Everyone does. But um, I think Kyrie's going to mesh really well. He said in a press conference that he felt really disrespected in Brooklyn and that the Mavs kind of didn't make him feel that way, and that's why he felt comfortable with the whole change and everything. So I feel like we'll, we're going to see a really good um, Mavs team. I'm very excited because I think what he plays tomorrow, right? Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. we'll see how he performs tomorrow. And then once Luca comes back, I think both of them handling the ball is going to be um, really nice because you have, like, a certified point guard now, and then Luca can actually, like, be more open instead of trying to make, um, make a shot available. Kyrie will do that for him and then dish the ball out, and that's an easy bucket for Luca anytime. So I feel like we're going to see a nice duo on the court. And then, like I said, if they get a nice big man, um, with them wanting to get off uh, the Christian Wood uh, contract and whatever, I think we're going to see a nice Mavericks team coming in. Exactly. How do you feel about this trade from the Nets side of things? Uh, I mean, Kyrie Irving, they were not going to resign him. So it was either they keep him for the rest of the year, and then he leaves for nothing in July. I mean, they got Dorian Finney-Smith, who's a solid player, Dinwiddie, cannot live with your own failures, so you came back to me. <laughs> I mean, Dinwiddie's a good player. He'll be their point guard. Finney Smith is a good defender, bigger guy. It fills a need, but, I mean, this that's probably the best you're going to get. A lot of the GMs around the league did not want him. 
uh, I think they got pretty good value. And plus, you know, the picks as well. It helps. It's never a bad thing. Yeah. Um, I'm just mad that you had all this talent and it resulted in one playoff series win. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like, you know, what a lot of people are talking about is this 2029 first-round pick unprotected. I think that was one of the dumbest things the Mavericks could have put into this trade. If they don't win in the next two years, like anything, I know they made it to the Western Conference Finals last year, and they look better than they did last year, but there's a chance that they don't make it there again. They haven't in a while. If they don't win anything in the next two to three years, that first-round pick is going to be so valuable and worth so much because they are not going to be good after those two to three years. Yep. Kyrie Irving will not want to be there anymore, as we've seen. Once anything starts going downhill, that man likes to run for the hills. And if you don't win anything, Luka Doncic might be gone. You saw what happened with LeBron James. Yep. When the team is incompetent and doesn't help him, they want to go win a championship. When there's nothing else to do but win a championship, they're going to go for it. That's what the best players of all time do. So you're going to have a short time frame to prove to Luca that you care about him and that organization. And as much as Luca is a nice guy, I also feel like Luca has a temper to him. Luca has an attitude to him. Mm-hmm. And Luca will not take disrespect from an organization that doesn't care about him yeah. and care about winning championships. Yeah. So I think he very much could just leave the Mavericks. Yeah, and I mean, he understands it's a business. All of these players understand it's a business. And, um, yeah, like you said, they they either got to, you know, really, like, suck up to him and just show him that they want him more than Kyrie or whatever. But I also think Kyrie has to – Kyrie knows his place because he's at peace with what he were – at where he's at. Um, so, I mean, like – it's just a matter of the Mavs front office just let Kyrie and Luka do their own thing. Just don't tell them what to do. Because I feel like if we get to that point, then that's where you're going to have Luka start popping off with the attitude and then Kyrie being like, I'm not going to play. I'm going to go on a spiritual retreat or whatever, you know? So I feel another like, documentary. <laughs> so I think it's, oh, my God. I think it's a matter of, like, just let them be. Let them play basketball. Let them win games together and get comfortable. And then that 2029 is going to end up being protected and stuff, you know. Like, we're going to be fine. But but then if it starts to, like, if they let them do their own thing and it starts crumbling, then that's when you start really got to start to worry. But I think for right now, letting them just play basketball and mesh and win games, it's going to be, like, kind of like a – like a, a sigh, you know, it's a breath of relief for them right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, I think the biggest worry for the Mavs is that you don't know what Kyrie Irving you're going to get in this yeah. trade. Kyrie Irving, when he is on the court, is one of the most talented basketball players I have ever watched with my own two eyes. What he does, there are very few players, even no players sometimes, that can do what he can do on the basketball court. The problem is, is sometimes he doesn't want to be on the basketball court. A lot of the times he doesn't want to be on the basketball court. And I know some of those times were due to his own fault, and I don't back Kyrie Irving at all with any of the decisions he's made in the past. But at the same time, I feel like the Nets never once gave him the benefit of the doubt. No, they were they always ready to be against him whenever he was mad about something. And as much as 
the things that he did were unforgivable uh, or not even unforgivable, but just uninformed and, you know, ignorant. And a lot of people felt that way about him as an organization who's paying him millions of dollars. Don't you want to at least give him a little support in these situations? And again, you can't like back him, but you also can't neglect him. And I feel like the Nets neglected him. Yeah, because they they had KD as their baby. KD was was the Nets' baby. Uh, once once they had they had him before Harden, correct? Mm, KD was the first one they got. Yeah, they so got Kyrie and, it was the uh, same thing with Harden. Once Harden started doing what he wanted to do, the Nets were like, "So what? We're gonna get rid of you." Like we don't care. They could care less, you know, and that that's what it came down to with the whole Kyrie thing because once he was like, oh, no vaccine, this is my faith, and, yeah, they should have been a bit more understanding, but, like, like you said, they can't back him on that because it's it's a hazard, a health hazard and stuff like that, but still, Katie's their baby. They're going to swaddle that man any time to protect him because they know he's the only chance of actually being a consistent player for them and getting them into that 10, that 8 spot, whatever, you know, even though they're, what, 4 right now? Yeah, they're comfortable right now, but once it starts getting tough, that they're going to look to KD and, you know, swing the cradle for KD, but they could care less about who they have there. because And that's what that's basically what they showed with Kyrie, and it was kind of like a middle finger to them, to him. You know, and that's what he said in the press conference uh, when he was in Dallas. You know, he felt disrespected by the Nets, and it just it proves the point. You know, they had they had one person in mind, KD, to really keep that franchise alive. Yeah, they wanted to bring in help with Harden, Dr- uh, not Drummond. Uh, who's the other big guy that they brought in? Um, yeah, DeAndre Jordan. And then eventually Kyrie, once those two left, and then you have that duo. And, yeah, you add pieces here and there to kind of buff up the the roster. But it's their focus was get KD on the floor, get him the ball, let him score because he'll have his takeover X-Factor moment, whatever, you know. So it was a matter of not Kyrie – doing the things he did that are unforgivable, like you said, but a matter of they were like, no, you play basketball and that's it, nothing else. So, and that that was just the big thing that kind of like screwed up the relationship between them. And I, I really think that's, you're right. I think that is what, Kyrie wasn't so much mad about the punishments that he received during that time or the money that he was actually getting. He felt like there was no love between him and the Nets. And, I think that, yeah, like we said, what he was promoting, what he was saying, what he was doing was ignorant and uninformed. But at the same time, it's like the Nets need – they're again, they're paying this guy millions of dollars. Don't you want to protect your asset at all? And instead they were just throwing him to the wolves every time something like that happened and said, we're not a part of this. Let him get in trouble. We don't care. Yeah. Um, You know, and all this drama and all this happening – has led people to speculate that there's a possibility of a Kevin Durant trade. And the Nets came out today and said, as of right now, you know, we don't plan on trading him, but they never said he was, you know, completely unavailable. Yeah. Um, do you think there's any world where hour before the trade deadline happens, the Nets go, screw it, we need to blow it up? I, I could see that happening, but they'd have to give a lot for Durant. Durant's player value, even though 
he's hurt or only sitting out for right now. Most likely he's hurt, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, they'd have to give a lot for Durant. Because once Durant's healthy, he's going to perform. He's going to give you the numbers that you want on the court. Double-double, triple-double, whatever, you know? He's not going to go on a streak like that, but he'll give it to you every other night. And that's what matters, right? But you pair him around someone like, you know, what they're talking about, the Suns, I believe. You pair him around a DeAndre Ayton with, like, a Cam Reddish, you know? Like, that that's a good roster, you know? I could see Devin Booker going into the, to Brooklyn because, I mean, that both of those guys are not of equal value, but there's they're, like, it's kind of like meeting it right in the middle, you know? Like, but I could see them blowing up blowing it up like an hour before, maybe a couple hours before, just to give it a scare. And then all of a sudden be like, nope, never mind, you know? Just to do that, to mess with reports and whatever mm-hmm. and get uh, GMs excited and stuff. Like, oh, my God, we can bring Kevin Durant. So I could see that something like that happening. But in the end, I don't see them getting rid of him at all because, like I said, that's their baby. They they got to hold on to him, you know? They, they respect him. They're, they would probably respect him the most. Uh, on that team, on that franchise. So, I mean, it's a matter of, um, it's like, not a matter of, it's like fighting fire with fire. You know, that, like right now, that's what's just, that's what Brooklyn doing right now. And it's sad to see because you're bringing in people to help you win and then pushing them right out the door, but making sure their brother stays right behind to where he can see it and not be able to say anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the other things I noted noticed that happened with this Kyrie Irving trade, and you saw it when people were speculating trades for Kyrie Irving, there was word that teams like the Clippers were in on Kyrie Irving, the Miami Heat, mm-hmm. um, you know, just teams that are looking like they are like in that stagnant period. Um, and you look around the league, and it seems like there's a lot of teams that are kind of right in that middle ground where – they don't really know what they want to do. You know, the Raptors are like that. Uh, before, like two weeks ago, the Warriors were kind of looking like that. Um, do you think that these teams missing out on a Kyrie Irving, do you think that is a domino for the rest of the league to start deciding that maybe it's time to start blowing stuff up and trade stuff and make changes in their organizations hmm. because they missed out on a guy like Kyrie Irving? Possibly. Like, I could see the Clippers doing something like that, like how we talked about last week with, you know, Kawhi and PG not being playing up to par and to the standards that they're expected to meet because of because we because of the history that we know that they can play up to par and up to the standard that they're being held to. So I could see something like that happening with the Clippers. Um, definitely the Raptors because they're probably, like, one of the worst teams in the league right now. So, I mean, it's time for, like, a whole rebuild, clear house. Or I could even see the uh, Portland doing it for Damian Lillard, you know, just to see what bites, you know, what bites on the hook and what they can reel in. So, I mean, I could see maybe a couple teams doing it, but, you know, not the whole league going phantom crazy and just, you know, blowing up fireworks saying, oh, I got this guy for this guy, this guy. You know, I could see a couple teams doing it. Definitely the Clippers and maybe even Portland. Mm -hmm. Um, Looking at some of the trades that happened before the season versus this Kyrie Irving trade that happened right now, you know, you look at the Rudy Gobert and the Donovan Mitchell trades and how much both those teams, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Cleveland Cavaliers, gave up for those two players. And then how little it seems the Mavericks really gave up for Kyrie Irving. 
And Kyrie Irving is arguably, you know, the second best player out of those three. He's obviously better than Rudy Gobert right now. I think Donovan Mitchell is probably the better guard. But it seems like Kyrie Irving was worth so much less. Do you think that that's a sign that everybody in the league is going to be worth less right now? Or where do you see, you know, the average player value right now for this trade deadline between the beginning of the season and right now? Where is that value lying at? I don't think the value is less. I just think that Dallas knew what they were getting into when they were going to bring Kyrie to Dallas with the whole belief, his beliefs and the whole COVID thing and not having a vaccine, et cetera, right? So I don't think the player value drops for anyone else. I just think that they, you know, their analysts in Dallas were tracking his numbers, what he was dropping a night, whatever, what nights he was playing, wasn't playing. I think it came down to stuff like that. And, you know, the whole, like, what they were signing up for when they were bringing him in and the vaccine and whatever. So I think it was factors like that. But when you got guys like Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, it's more of like, all right, what is he dropping, rebounds, points, whatever, but also what kind of revenue is he bringing in for us? And I feel like with Dallas uh, bringing Kyrie, they knew that they would be able to give up a little bit less. And to and Brooklyn would bite on it because they knew that in the end, they'd bring in a lot more revenue and a lot more money for the team, bringing in another star to help Luka win games. So I think that's what it more or less came down to, like the whole business standpoint of the organization. Mm-hmm. I think they just felt... Long overdue, they need to get Luca help. They see him getting hurt these last couple weeks. He can't this this year more than ever he's had you know, they lost Brunson. They don't have you know, at least Chris Stapps Porzingis could get twenty and ten here and there. This year their record is mostly only because of him. They felt they needed to get a record. They're in Texas, so they don't really care about the vaccine or his stuff they did earlier. And they just felt that this was the splash move that they saw in a weak Western conference that they could get you know, out of the West. And then when it came to his values, just he's on an expiring contract. That, I felt, had a lot to do with it. Then all the stuff, you know, of course, that's happened over the years with him. That, I mean, a lot of the owners in the NBA are Jewish. So that could have played a role. Mark Cuban doesn't care. He's a businessman. Yeah. But I feel that's the reason why he ended up in Dallas and what they gave up to get him. Uh, before we move on to our last segment, the draft for today, I wanted to ask you guys if you had to predict what would be the next big NBA trade that's going to happen before the trade deadline here. Mm. Doesn't have to be realistic. Raptors, Raptors selling everything. I'd say at least Siakam, maybe Van Vliet, and just rebuilding. Josh, what do you think? I can see the Bulls maybe clearing out some space for some people to bring in and, you know, trading whatever they have to do. But I can see the Bulls making a big, like, jump um, to really bring in some stars into the team. Mm-hmm. I'm going to guess. This is a long shot, but I want to do a crazy trade. Kawhi Leonard gets traded. I think the Clippers, after missing out on Kyrie Irving, probably don't think they have many more options. And right now they are – you know, a team without a clear future. And I think that they don't have the prospects right now to risk a rebuild at the end of the season, especially if they are middle of the league again. So I think they start to try to blow it up. 
Moving on to our last segment, we wanted to do another draft like we've been doing the past couple weeks. This week, our draft is going to be what we think our top three best trade deadline trades have been in history. Start off this one last week from our poll on the Instagram story. Uh, everybody said, or not everybody, but most of the people said, I won it. Uh, I got about 68% of the votes, so I'm going to start off the draft this week. With my first overall pick for trade deadline trades, I'm going to go Carmelo Anthony to the Knicks. I think that even though the Knicks didn't win any championships with that team, I think that was such a monumental trade for the era. Uh, Carmelo Anthony was balling out for the Nuggets, and him getting traded to the Knicks was just a game-changer for a franchise that hadn't had a star for a while. It was a struggling franchise, and him going to the Knicks revitalized that franchise and brought it back into national media. Uh, it led to everything, including Lynn Sanity, one of the greatest periods of all time because Carmelo got hurt on that team and gave Jeremy Lynn a shot. So I, I credit Carmelo with that because of that. Exactly who would you take as your best trade line? I'd say Mark Aguirre to the Pistons. I mean, that they traded for him. He was the missing piece, and it led them to two straight back-to-back world championships. Josh, who's your first-round pick? DeMarcus Cousins to the Pelicans. Oh, that was my second round pick. Let's go! <laughs> um, yeah, DeMarcus Cousins to the Pelicans. I think that was probably one of the best um, big man trade deadlines because you had Anthony Davis and him together. And th- that duo looked unstoppable at, at, a, at a certain time. It's a shame they got hurt. Definitely. Yeah. And then what? Uh, DeMarcus Cousins left. and yeah, They didn't want to resign him. They, they resigned Julius Randle instead of him. I will say that was. Up until that year with New York, that was Julius Randle's best year was with that Pelicans. He was pretty yeah. good that He was a borderline all-star. He was. Uh, with my second overall pick, I'm going to go Pau Gasol to the Lakers. <laughs> um, he was a huge part of some of those championship teams. He revitalized the Lakers after they had lost Shaq and were trying to find their next direction with Kobe. And I think people don't give him enough credit for being one of the best players of all time, but I think without Pau Gasol and those Lakers teams, the Lakers don't win as many championships as they do. Exactly who do you guys your second? Say Clyde Drexler to the Rockets. You know, they were struggling. They you know, they were like out of the playoffs and they traded for him. They got in as a sixth seed and they won the, the title. I mean that was the lowest seed ever to win a championship. I think that one he he revitalized that team. Josh? Kawhi Leonard to the Toronto Raptors. That was a pretty big trade because he was traded in the 17-18 offseason, and then ended up winning an NBA championship. So, My third-round pick, this one may not be the biggest trade to a lot of people, but this one was a big trade to me when it happened. Uh, I was just kind of starting to pay attention to basketball, but Andrew Bogut getting traded to the Warriors. Growing up being a Bucks fan, Andrew Bogut was a really fun player for the Bucks. He looked like the future of the Bucks, had a couple knee injuries, uh, kind of was slowing down in his career. But him going to the Warriors, really, that was one of the huge pieces to them winning that those first couple of NBA championships. I don't think people give him enough credit for what he did on that team. But I think without Andrew Bogut, they don't have the same kind of rebounding. They don't have the same kind of offensive mind in the paint that they needed for when Steph Curry was missing his shots and Klay Thompson was missing his shots. They needed somebody to get rebounds and be able to score in the paint, and I think he was the perfect piece for that and helped them win a couple championships. Exactly. what's your third pick? I would have to go with um – the trades that the Cleveland Cavaliers made in their first year, which LeBron came back, they got J.R. Smith and Iman Shumpert. That team was like 19 and 20 when they traded for those guys, and then you know they were key pieces on that championship that ended the 50-year drought in Cleveland. 
Josh, the last pick in the draft. Last pick. I'm taking Kevin Garnett to Boston. Um, that was a really big pick. The Boston gave up a lot for Kevin Garnett, but I mean, it proved to be a really good trade. They ended up. Um, they didn't go back to back when they got Garnett, but they beat. They did. They did stop um, the Lakers back to back, and that's when Kevin Garnett had that famous interview that anything is possible. Scream. But, I mean, that Boston team was unstoppable. They were way more physical than anybody to play in that, I believe, 2007, 2008, or 2008, 2009 season. And, I mean, he and he finished his career with the Timberwolves, but, I mean, he, he played some really good basketball in Boston with the trio that they had there. Mm-hmm. All right, folks. I know it's late in the show, but I'll post a poll on our Instagram for you guys to vote on who won this draft. Uh, next week, we'll do a brand new draft. We'll also have our food battle between Chick-fil-A mac and cheese and a good old Culver's Butter Burger. Uh, it'll be a fun battle. Uh, be sure to comment on that post when that happens, and you guys could win 15 bucks just like Chris Switek did tonight. Uh, again, Switek, if you're around, you can come down to the station right now before we head out, or we can DM you, find out where you're going to be, pay you your $15 that you have won. Thank you all for listening. Stay tuned for next week's episode. Same time, same place, 8 to 10, Tuesday night. See y'all.